Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. So we're continuing this series that we're calling Truth or Dare. And you probably remember playing that game when you were a kid. And what's interesting is like as adults, we still have this dilemma that we face that you can call truth or dare. Like, are we going to live according to the truth in God's word or are we going to dare to live like the world? And what's interesting is whenever you played that game as a kid, there was a negative consequence regardless of what you choose. Like you say truth and then you have to reveal something you don't want people to know. You say dare and you have to do something that has a negative consequence. But in the context of your spiritual journey, there's an obvious best choice. You choose truth, you live according to the truth found in God's word, and you come clean about all your secrets to God, which he knows anyway, by the way, and you find freedom. Or you dare to live like the world and you find yourself drifting further and further away from God and further and further away from your purpose. This thing's going to mess with me again, like last time. But this entire series is based on the book of Daniel because Daniel lived in a time where the nation of Israel, which were, those were the people known as God's people, well, they were drifting further and further away from God and because they were allowing culture to come inside of them. But Daniel, he took a stand for the truth in the midst of all that. Even though all his people were over there doing crazy things, he's like, I am standing for the truth. And as you probably know, history tends to repeat itself. So even though that happened thousands of years ago, we can still find lots of parallels between the time of Daniel and today. But we need to find out how to live like Daniel, right? How to stand strong. And last week we talked about how culture it has an agenda for us. It wants to change our identity. It wants us to compromise our standards, and it wants to create a confrontation where you got to choose. Are you going to fit in with culture, or are you going to follow God's truth? And that's the confrontation. And you know, as Christians, we really struggle with this confrontation thing. We're usually like on one extreme or the other. You're either like this dogmatic Christian who um, is all about the truth and telling sin police, you know, you're wrong, and blah, 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 blah. And then over here on the other side, you have this person that's like, kind of like, I am operating in the spirit of love and And it's okay if you just want to live the way you want to live because I love you. But the problem is, like, we got to find ourselves in the middle because neither of those is right. No extreme is right. We need to get to a place where we're generous with the grace while we stand firm in the truth at the same time. And this is exactly what Jesus does for us. Like, he extended his grace to you and says, hey, I'm going to save you. And then he brought his truth to you through his word and says, hey, I'm going to lead you into your best life. Follow Jesus' example because grace is what invites us to be free, but truth is what sets us free. You got to have both of them. It's not an either or. You don't have to choose between grace and truth. It's a both and. You need both, and they actually complement each other very well. Kind of like in a marriage. You usually get two people together who are quite opposite, and it takes a little while, but they end up complementing each other well later down the line. Knowing that culture has an agenda to pull you away from your best life. You might be tempted to like just get out of culture altogether, maybe. But we're not supposed to retreat from culture. We're actually supposed to impact culture. And that's why right the night before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed this prayer. And take a look at this. In John 17, verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. You know, Christians, we tend to get this fort mentality like, we're going to barricade the doors of the church and we're going to stay in here where it's safe, right? We don't belong to the world, but the last thing that Jesus wants is for us to be out of the world. He wants us to be in it and impacting it. 
but he wants to keep us safe from the evil one while we're making that impact. Sounds like a better plan than creating a fort, doesn't it? So when you receive the gift of salvation by believing in Jesus, the devil can't touch you. He can't change your eternity anymore. You, like, that's a free gift. You received it, and it's all yours. So he changes his strategy. Instead of trying to keep you away from heaven, he just tries to make it to where you don't take anybody to heaven with you. And so that's why you see so many churches that are inward-focused. They don't care about the lost. They just care about creating a safe place for themselves. Well, you're not going to get that here. Actually, what the, what's most important to us is that those who don't know God come through those doors every Sunday, and they find him here at No Limits. So if you're looking for a church where everybody here is acting like a mature Christian, you're going to be really disappointed because you're not going to find that here. We're a church who accepts people as they are, and then leads them into their best life. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it takes some time, and you got to be patient. I'm sure it took you some time to get where you are. So this poses a challenge, though. How do we live in the world but not become like the world? And how can we have a positive influence in the middle of all that? Well, today I'm going to really simplify this for you. Um, this is, there's really only one culprit to an ungodly culture. There's only one thing that drives every ungodly behavior. Only one thing. And it's all rooted in one mindset. And if you're able to identify this mindset, you're able to see it clearly. That's how you, stay, that's how you keep culture from coming inside of you because you recognize it. And since we're in the book of Daniel, here's what we're going to call it. The Babylon mentality. Because you may remember from last week that Babylon is the ancient city whose culture was infecting the people of God. And what's interesting is where Babylon was is now present-day Iraq. Did you all know that? And what I want to get across to you today, though, is that Babylon is not a locality, it's a mentality. And it's a spirit that's existed from the very beginning, and it still exists today, and it's in our culture. And I want to help you recognize it, because when you recognize how the devil works through the Babylon mentality, you're not going to fall for it so easy. So, like I said, this message is going to kind of be like turning the light on in a dark room. It's going to be like lifting up the skirt of the devil and letting you all see all of his secrets. Seriously, because here it comes. The devil has one lie that spawns all the other lies, and you can see it the very first time that he spoke, which was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He said, eat this fruit, and you're going to become like God. So the devil's one and only trick is he's always elevating humans above God. And he does it by doing this. Here's his lie. He says, I'm all about you, but God's all about himself, so follow me. And you move forward just a few chapters in the book of Genesis, and you find Satan using this same lie. And this is the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, 4. It says, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. God, who's God? Nobody needs God. We're going to do this ourselves. You see, the devil knows that all he has to do is promote and elevate you and, and fill up your little pride tank to get you off track. That's his trick. So, this is where the name Babylon comes from, Babel here. And the word Babel literally means confusion. So, because if you follow a way other than God's way, you're going to find yourself confused. And you're going to find yourself living in a state of chaos. Anybody? Been there, done that. Can you see why the entire world is in chaos right now? If you're living a life of chaos, if you spend your days confused, then you might just have the Babylon mentality going on inside your head. But here's the good news. I'm going to show you how to get out of it today. And the beginning of the Bible actually isn't the only place that you find this mentality. You actually find it at the very end, too. Let me show you. In Revelation 17.5, it says, A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great. 
mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. So all the obscene things that you see happening in the world today started by somebody elevating themselves. Babylon the Great. That's why you hear things such as, my body, my choice, as an excuse to kill babies. That's why it's called the pride movement, because we're elevating our choices above the word of God. Y'all seeing it? Isn't it interesting that the world chooses those terms? <laughs> you can actually find it in the middle of your Bible, too, in Isaiah chapter 47, verse 8. It says, now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am, and there's none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. So with the Babylon mentality, you think you got it all under control. Nothing bad ever going to happen to you because I am and there's none beside me. But look at what happens. Both of these things will overtake you in a moment on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and your potent spells. So the Babylon mentality always starts off with fun and games, but we can see how it ends up goes on to say, you have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am, and there's none besides me. Does anybody else see this going on in our culture right now? You don't even have to go into the dirty places of our culture to see this. Just look at all the people taking selfies. I am, and there's none besides me, and everybody needs to see it. And here's what it all boils down to. This is what we have to look out for. I, this is Babylon's motto. I am and there's none besides me. When I go to Sam's, I am, and there's none beside me. So I don't need to pay attention to the other people in this store, right? Because if Satan can get you self-focused, he can eventually get you to think that you're smarter than God, that you know more than God, and that your ways are better than God's. Every sin, every ungodly behavior can be summed up into this one thing. It's when you elevate self. There it is. The enemy's biggest play. And this expresses itself in three different ways. You can be self-adoring. Let me post a selfie so people can see how good I look. Let me go to the gym. And while I'm there, I need to take some pictures of my muscles so that everybody, yeah? And this is also why so many ladies, they fall into like the nips and the tucks and the fills and all that stuff because they want people to gawk over the way that they look. They want people to say, look how good you've held up over the years. It's a trick. It really is. And then there's self-building. I can do this without God. God, I'll let you know when I need you, but I don't need you right now. I got this covered. I'll come see you on Sunday, but I don't need you the rest of the week because I got the rest of the week covered. Did you know that's why church attendance actually drops across, across the globe whenever things are going right in the, in the earth, when it's prosperous? People don't come to church. But you better know they're going to show up when there's a tragedy or a recession because people honestly believe they don't need God unless something's going wrong in their lives. And then they're self-indulging. In other words, if it feels good, do it. Anybody heard that lie? I mean, what kind of a loving God would ask me not to do something that makes me feel good? In, in order to elevate yourself, too, there's something else that has to take place at the same time. you got to lower God. You have to make God less than he is. You have to put him below your ideas, your passions, your pleasures. And that's exactly what culture does. It wants to mock God every chance that it gets. And there's three ways the devil tries to get you to lower God. And here's his first lie. God doesn't love me. Why would God call me out of something that makes me feel good? The greatest expression of love is God, who lavishly forgives everything you've ever done. And then he calls you in to live your best life by giving you the word to lead you into that. That is what love looks like. 
You see, a few months ago, uh, Beth and I were rolling out of bed on a Monday morning and, you know, trying to find a good attitude as we were fixing the kids' breakfast. Kind of hard sometimes, especially when they wake you up really early. And we noticed, like, this, uh, this rank smell. And so we, like, we, we began searching through the house. We're like, did the dog poop somewhere? Did somebody track poop in on their shoes? Is, does the trash need to be taken out? Is there a rotten onion somewhere? Or the worst, rotten potatoes in the pantry. Anybody ever been there? That's gross stuff. We searched everything, and, and Beth cleaned the floor, and the smell still didn't go away. And in the midst of all this, our second child, Adeline, woke up. And so I went to go get her out of her bed, opened the door, and wham, I found the source. It was bad. So apparently at some point in the night, Adeline had thrown up all over her crib. And not only that, but she blew out of her diaper. Yeah, she had a rough night. It was... So there's only one way to fix this problem. You just got to tackle it head on. So I picked Adeline up, put her on her diaper changer, and I unzipped her onesie and opened it up. And she was covered in poop. And it had been there a while. And at this point, like, my heart broke into a thousand pieces. Because I was imagining this one-year-old, like, in her crib all night, just, like, kind of wallowing around in this stuff, wondering what was going on. And you see, like, we, saw, we have a baby monitor in her room, so, like, we heard her fuss on and off through the night, but it was nothing ever really that extensive. So, But if I'm, if I'm honest, like, there was a moment where I was like, I wonder if she, she got sick. And in hindsight, like, I realized that was the Holy Spirit just giving me a gentle nudge, like, go check on your daughter. But I didn't. I went back to sleep. So after playing this scene through my mind and realizing that I should have been there to help her, like, I don't cry often, but I was, like, sobbing. Like, retreated to the laundry room, shut the door, and, like, I just fell apart. I tell you this story because God, God is such, he's a much better dad than I am. Like, he loves you too much to leave you rolling around in your mess. He forgives every one of your mistakes. Yeah, he does, but that's not enough. His love extends far beyond that by correcting you when you're headed in the wrong direction. He's going to put people in your lives that lift you up out of your mess and help you go the right direction. He'll show you the truth in his word even when it hurts a little. But deep down, you're going to know that that's how you get to your best life and that God loves you. Our culture is telling us that God doesn't love us, and that he's trying to take away our freedom, but he's actually just trying to set, get us into freedom through all these things that he's giving us through his word, even when it hurts a little. And then here's the second lie, God isn't for me. You see, people think that God punishes us with sickness and disease and, and natural disasters whenever we do things wrong, but he's not doing that. You know the reason that stuff comes on our life and on our planet? It's because we've separated ourselves from God. We're over here living without him. He says, hey, y'all, keep sex between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. And then we decide that our way is better. And then we get mad at God when all of our relationships are falling apart. And then he says, you know, hey, guys, take care of your bodies because you're going to need them. And then we get mad at God when diabetes comes knocking on our door because we've been eating lo loads of sugar and processed food for the past 30 years. And we think that he's bringing it on us. He's not. That's not how God works. Every instruction, every single instruction in the Bible is for your benefit. God didn't put it there for himself. He put it there for you. He puts it in there because he wants you free. He wants you to live your best life. We just get convinced that culture in our way is, is a better way. I don't know how we get convinced of that. Yeah, but we do. And then here's the third lie. God wants too much from me. Is it, a challenge, is it a challenge to live according to the Word of God? Yeah, it is. 
But God doesn't leave you to do it on your own. He gives you the Holy Spirit to help you out. God loves you so much that he clearly shows us what to get away from, and then he gives you the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. How good is that? Like God's like, here's everything you need. Just follow, follow this path. So the Babylon mentality can be summed up into these two simple statements. It's when you elevate self and you lower God. There's actually one pillar story in the book of Daniel that illustrates this really well. It's found in chapter 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. So here's the Babylon king, and he's really content without God. And he was elevating himself in the process. Imagine that. The story goes on, and Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that frightens him. And in the dream, he sees this healthy, like, huge tree that, that reaches up to the sky, and it's beautiful, and everybody loves it. It has the most beautiful leaves, and it has the best fruit. And everybody wants to be there under the tree and hanging out in its shade. And then a messenger from heaven comes, and he has the tree chopped down. And he shoes off all the animals and stuff that were benefiting from this tree. And this dream frightens Nebuchadnezzar, so he calls in all his magicians and his enchanters and asks them to interpret the dream, and nobody can do it. Nobody in his court can do it. So he's like, oh yeah, that guy Daniel, he hears from God. Somebody go get Daniel and bring him in here so he can interpret my dream. So here comes Daniel, influencing culture the right way. And he had the interpretation, and he knew ahead of time that the king could probably kill him for this interpretation. But here he comes in with strength and courage, and he says, that tree, your majesty, is a you. Like, that's a really great way to start off a conversation with a king, isn't it? But it gets even better. He says, you will be driven out from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you're going to eat grass like a cow, and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. So I bet the king is, like, really loving David in this moment, right? Like, this is great. I'm really glad that I asked this guy to come interpret my dream. But remember how the word Babylon means confusion? You get deep enough into the Babylon mentality, and you're going to find yourself going insane, acting like an animal, and you may even be out there eating grass. I don't know. goes on to say, seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over all the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. So the only way to step out of confusion, the only way out of the Babylon mentality is to figure out that God is the one to be elevated. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. That's how good God is. How cool is that? King Nebuchadnezzar completely walked away from God in favor of himself. And, but when he gets his eyes focused back on God, God restores him. Come on now, that's awesome. He doesn't just leave you in your insanity, even though you're the one that caused it. Because God loves you. He leads you back into truth, and he restores you back to a prosperous life. God's good. But get this. Even with the foresight and like this dream being interpreted, Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't make any changes. He continued on to live for himself, to exalt himself, and exactly what was predicted happened to him. Like, he had a chance. He didn't have to go through those seven years of eating grass and acting like an animal. But he's like, he, he, didn't get the, he didn't get the cue. <laughs> so he continued to elevate himself. He was driven from human society, ate grass like a cow, no joke. Like, that really happened to a king. It's crazy. But after seven years, he finally had enough living like an animal. And here's what happened. After the time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. Talk about a pr perspective shift. He was beginning to see things a little bit differently, wasn't he? All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. 
He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the peoples of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? So he now realizes that God is the only one to give credit to for life. Without God, we're nothing. And we have no place to question what he asks us to do in his word. We just have no place to question it because he is ultimate truth. And look at the result. Here's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar after he switched his perspective. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Only God can restore you and make you better than you were before. Only God loves you enough to call you out of your mess. Only God can give you honor because you honor God first. Only God. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he's able to humble the proud. (laughs) So he finally got it figured out. Too bad it took him seven years, right? (laughs) To stop elevating himself and to elevate God instead. But it doesn't have to take you that long. You can do this today. Even if y'all been acting like an animal for longer than seven years, like you can still make this choice today. And when you do, God's not only going to restore you, he's going to make you better than you were before. He's going to give you favor with man, and he's going to elevate you to a place of honor with those around you. Because you see, when you elevate God, he elevates you. Try to elevate yourself, and you're going to find yourself flat on your face, on the ground, wondering if you're going to recover. But you put God first, you don't have to worry about being elevated, because he's going to elevate you. And it's going to be way better than anything you could ever do by yourself. So now that we can recognize culture, that culture wants us to elevate ourselves, you know, what can we do to make sure that culture doesn't influence us and we influence culture? Well, I'm actually just going to give you three simple things that you can do every day to make sure that happens. And the first one is you got to exalt God every day and every moment, not just on Sunday, not just when you go to church. No, I will every day praise and exalt God above everything else. You see, we're really good at exalting a football team, so, like, if you're wondering, how, to, how do I exalt God? Well, just take a look at some crazy football fans. I know y'all are in. Anybody want to come up here and give us an example? There you go. Yeah, see, see, see. See, football fans, they put everything else on the back burner when it's time to watch a game. And they get focused in, and they don't let anybody distract them. And they scream, and they yell, and they, they let all their friends know which team they're exalting. And I'm not saying that football is bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just giving you a picture of what it looks like to exalt something. And we should exalt God with energy and passion. Just keep in mind, culture is okay with you exalting football, but they're not okay with you exalting God. So people are going to look at you like you're a weirdo. But it's worth it because when you exalt God, you rid yourself of that Babylon mentality, and you end up living your best life. And who's laughing at you now, right? Here's another example for you in Psalms. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. So don't praise a team that doesn't even know your name while staying silent about the God who saved you and loves you. Exalt, honor, and praise God every chance you get, and don't give any weight to the opposition. There's going to be people that be hating on you, and that's okay. Don't pay any attention to it. And here's the second thing. I will acknowledge God. I will acknowledge that he is true and just. Acknowledge that everything God does and says is right, and you have no grounds to argue with it. If you open the Bible and something goes against your mindset, guess who's wrong? It ain't God, because God's true. 
Acknowledge that God's word is 100% truth, and there's no law that culture can even put on us that's going to get us to disregard the truth that we find in God's word. Like if they tell me that I can't believe something in the Bible because it's offensive, guess what? They can just lock me up because I believe that the word is true. I don't care what kind of law that you pass. So truth comes from God and God alone, and you can't convince me otherwise. I will acknowledge God above all else because his word is truth. And here's the deal. When you exalt and acknowledge that everything that God says is true, culture can't touch you can't touch this. There you go. First Corinthians 4, 7 says, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if you, if, if all you have is from God, why act as though you've accomplished something on your own? There it is right there. Like God made you. God gave you your gifts and talents. He saved you by giving you his only son. And he provided everything we need on this earth to eat and to build shelter and to make a living. So it's not you. It's God. So stop exalting yourself and exalt God, which leads us into the third thing. You got to humble yourself. Listen to me. Humility is coming whether you initiate it or something else does it for you. Because I, let me tell you something. It's, it's more pleasant to humble yourself. It really is. Because that's why the Bible gives us this instruction in James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he's going to lift you up in honor. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was given that choi- a choice in his dream. Like he had the opportunity to go ahead and humble himself right there and not have to go through that. But he didn't. And therefore he was humiliated in front of everyone. So the same choice is before you. Are you going to choose humility? Or are you going to wait for humiliation later on down the line? Because I can promise you, if you don't humble yourself, humility is coming. And it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Don't you see what's happening to America? Like our country has elevated itself above God, and now we're being humiliated in front of everyone, in front of the whole world. We're killing our future with abortions. We're even killing our future by promoting homosexuality because I don't know if you realize this or not, but two people of the same sex can't get together and create generations. We're killing our future in so many different ways. Then we have people who sit around and let the government take care of them whenever they're well and able to get out there and contribute to society and make their own living. Like America's become a laughingstock to other countries. And it's all because we elevated ourselves above God. When this country started, we elevated God above our country and something happened along the way. But can't you see the Babylon mentality running rampant through our culture? It's an ugly thing. But you have the ability to change it. And it all starts by humbling yourself. You know, we're not talking about like cowering down as if you're worthless. That's not humility. Humility is simply elevating God above everything else. That's what humility is. Just like James 4.10 says, when you humble yourself, God's going to elevate you. He doesn't leave you in the dirt. No, he lifts you up into your best life. Because you see, when you make your life all about God, God's going to make your life amazing. So let's take a moment to do this this morning. Like, just bow your heads and in your own words, I want you to just have a conversation with God, whether it's out loud or, or just in your head, and, and elevate God above whatever's going on in your life. Put him above it all. God, we elevate you this morning. We honor you this morning. And we trust you this morning that everything you, everything you say is good. Your word is good. Everything you do is good and right. God, I put you above everything else in my life. I put you above my relationships. I put you above my job. I put you above my health. I put you above everything. You're seated 
on the throne above my life. I elevate you. And I thank you that in the process, you elevate me. God, I don't want to do that myself. I don't want to, I don't want to try to elevate myself. And forgive me for all the times that I've done that. But God, I want to elevate you and let you take care of everything else. I want to put you first. So I do that this morning. I honor you. I worship you. King of kings, Lord of lords. Nobody can touch you. Nobody's got truth but you. So I lean into you and I honor you. And there may be somebody in the room that has a strong pool on the, on the inside because it's time. It's time to give your life to Jesus. You kind of realize that maybe you're not that good at managing your life on your own anyway, and you need him. If that's you, if you're ready to do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. And when you do, Jesus is going to wash you clean. He's going to give you purpose. He's going to wash away your past and fill you with joy and peace. So church, let's join them. We're going to say this prayer together. Jesus, I've been living without you, and I don't want to do that anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong, and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and grace for me, and I ask that you would be my Lord. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you. I lift you up over my life and ask that you would help me walk out your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's good all the time. And if y'all, if somebody said that prayer for the first time today, or maybe you said it for the first time in a long time, I want to know about it just so I can celebrate with you. So don't leave today without pulling me aside and, and let me know. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of everybody here this morning, but just come grab my shirt tail and say, hey, Kate, I said that prayer for the first time. And now I'm going to go ahead and have Amy come up here. She's going to close us out today. Thank you all for letting me share. I hope that uh, the, the enemy's biggest secret was revealed today. To y'all. So you're going to be able to recognize it when you get out there so you don't fall for it anymore. That is so cool. Man, we love to have those secrets exposed, right? Isn't that great? Um, forgive my voice today, a little scratchy. You know, we try to get stopped in so many ways, but we're unstoppable, right? <laughs> I have the Holy Spirit. So we are getting ready to take up offering and uh, know that Ben in Mexico sent an email last week. And uh, through that, he was talking about that his the landlord down there had a 1999, which all of the, we us that can do math, that's 20 years ago, but Ford Econoline van that only had 55,000 miles on it. 55,000, yeah, I said that right. And so it's an amazing shape, and it's exactly what they need, is anybody who's gone to Mexico can testify to that. Dylan had to, when we went up the mountain just on my trip, Dylan had to lay down in the back seat because it was, the van is so bouncy, and the roads are so bad. I mean, Wilma Flintstone, you know, we could have done better in a little vehicle like that. So that's amazing. They're getting ready to buy that and have that, add that to their fleet. And we support that. We support them in Mexico. 
Mexico, so that's awesome. So um, if you are giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. We have a wonderful guys here today that will take care of you. You can also give with a debit or credit card, so if you want to do that, use the instructions. There they are on the screen behind us. If you're techie, we've got you covered. Um, <laughs> And if you are listening online, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi and then tap the giving button. So all kinds of ways that we can help you with that. If this is your first time at No Limits, we're so glad you're here. That is awesome. We want you to know um, that we believe God has a great plan, great plan for your life. Um, he never does things halfway, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, he wants to accomplish amazing things through you, and we want to help you get there. So thank you for being here today, and we would love to see you next Sunday, too. And we're going to pray, and so I just want to say thank you, Lord. You've done amazing things just uh for me and through me this week, and we love you. And it just as simple as thanking you for helping us give, giving us the resources to give back to you. Thank you for helping us serve, and thank you for helping us love one another as we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.